if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so as to remove mountains if I give away all my possessions and deliver my body to be burned love is patient and kind it does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful it does not rejoice at wrong but rejoices together with the truth Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. As for prophecy, it will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For now we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, we see in a mirror, dimly. Then, face to face. Now I know in part. Then I will know fully. Even as I have been fully known. Now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. The greatest of these is love. So there you have 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The love chapter from the Bible. Uh, Most of you know that chapter or at least parts of it from perhaps your wedding or a wedding that you've attended where it has been read in in whole or in part and uh, sometimes at at funerals or memorial services Uh, it's one of the most widely used uh, scriptures that we have in the church so it's not an unfamiliar passage of scripture for us to use this morning and in the coming weeks, but it's one that we're going to take a look at in more depth in the, in the weeks to come. Uh, I was going around talking to people as they came in this morning and got seated, just say hi and all this, and, and uh, I was talking to a lady, uh, letting her know that we were going to start a new series and it was going to be on love, and I noticed that she wasn't real happy this morning. She had a kind of a scowl on her face, and I, I said, do you, do you always wake up grouchy? And she said, no, sometimes I let him sleep. <laughs> and it wasn't really the answer that I uh, had expected, but I guess that's how some of us feel sometimes in, in, in the mornings. Um, I hope that we learn uh, by the time we get through this um, series on this love chapter that we love even in those times when there is a grouch that we wake up beside of. 
or there is a grouch that we see in the mirror when we walk into the bathroom, you know, that first time in the morning, uh, that that, that kind of comes with the territory, and uh, it's one of those things that we accept and move on. Perhaps we, we uh, determine that we're going to help that grouch become not so much of a grouch that day. Um, this just came to me. Uh, uh, we were given this. Some lady stopped by the, the door back here from St. Delight's Pentecostal Holiness Church. You know, we're involved with them in a number of different ways. And every year uh, for the uh, Dr. Martin Luther King holiday weekend, they have a special uh, event. And this year it's at this uh, park right behind us, North Strand Park right back here on 57, you just go down 57, and actually it's right there, right right behind us. Uh, it's a breakfast that is from 9 o'clock till 11 o'clock, um, several speakers, the tickets are $15, it's a fundraiser for um, St. Delights for uh, Outreach Ministries, and uh, we've been invited to be a part in that. If any of you would like to, to take part in that, I'm going to put this, uh, let me give it to somebody. Who could I give this to? Uh, who's here? Robert, why don't you put this over here at the info counter for us? And you can look at all the information yourselves. I'd love for us to have some people that would go over this year, and since it's so close, and and we can help support uh, Charles Randall and and the folks at St. Delights. Wonderful group of folks. Okay. Uh, keep your connect cards handy. I will ask you at the close of the service to write some things on the back of your connect cards for me as well, like we did last week. Okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for, oh my goodness, uh, for the crispness in the air. Uh, and the promise that by the end of the week, we will uh, rebound on the thermometers to uh, more normal winter temperatures that we have here. Uh, we thank you that you're in charge of all the weather. And uh, you know when to bring cold and when to bring hot. Uh, we trust you in those regards. Uh, protect and, and uh, be with all those that are in our community that uh, need to have heat. Uh, help us to help, help them in any way that we can. Uh, if we see folks that need blankets or coats, that we can reach out to them and... Uh, perhaps even take the coat off of our backs and give to them at this time. Father, we just thank you that uh, you have brought us to this church this morning, that you have called us here for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to praise and worship you. We lift up your name and praise this morning. We love you. We have come to let you know that. We come to give to you not to necessarily get from you, but to give to you everything that we are 
your word says that we are to give to you as living sacrifices. And Lord, that's what we do today. Thank you for each person here. Thank you for a new year in their lives. And Lord, we just pray that you would bless each family present, each person present. And that this year, 2018, would be a remarkable new year for them. Uh, in ways that they can't even begin to imagine. We give you praise and honor and glory in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's a danger that when we're in the good times, when things are going well, I mean really well, we tend to think, I'm invincible. I'm absolutely invincible. Kind of like America on September the 10th, 2001. If you can think back to that time, nothing, nothing can touch us. We're, we're the best. We're the strongest. Nothing can touch us. We take for granted that things are, that are happening in our lives are always going to be good. We're on a roll then suddenly along comes an event like 9-11 that rocks our world, that shakes us out of our sensibilities and, and our comfortable security. All of a sudden we start focusing just a little bit more on other people. We start focusing just a little bit more on the things that matter. And if you, can, if you were alive then, and you can think back to those days following 9-11, I particularly remember like the 30 days following 9-11, I saw more acts of love, more acts of kindness, more acts of generosity, more acts of genuine compassion than I've ever seen before or since that time. It was a different world for a short period of time. Tragedies are often a wake-up call which make us realize what matters most in life. And then, then we go back to living life as normal. Prosperity and good times can bring false security to our lives. Jesus told a story about this. We find it in Luke 12, verses 16 through 21. He says, There was a rich man whose lands produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, what should I do, for I don't have enough space to store my goods? In other words, God is blessing him so much, he doesn't know what to do with all the blessings. And then he says, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. Then I'll say to myself, I have so many good things stored up for me. Now rest. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your life will be demanded of you, and then to whom 
will all your things belong. Thus will it be for anyone who stores up treasures for himself, but is not rich in what matters to God. You see, this guy only thought of himself. It didn't occur to him that maybe God was blessing him so he could be a blessing to other people. That maybe God had given him things that God wanted him to share with the less fortunate. No, all he thought about was, I'll build a bigger barn. I'll put some of my stuff in mini storage. I don't have a place for it myself. I've got so much, I'll have to go out and rent some more storage. I won't give any of it away. I won't bless anybody else. I'll just keep amassing and amassing and amassing. And I'll say, look how much stuff I've got. And God says, you're missing the point of what matters most in life. So I ask you this morning, what does matter most to God? And the Bible tells us that in Galatians 5, 6. It says, if you are a follower of Christ, uh, Christ Jesus, in other words, if you're a Christ follower, all that matters is your faith that makes you love others. All that matters is your faith that makes you love others. God says what matters in your life is not your accomplishments. It's not your achievements. It's not your fame. It's not your wealth. What matters in life is one thing and one thing only. All that matters in your, is your faith that makes you love other people. And he says if you miss that, you've missed the most important thing in all of life. It's the kind of faith that makes you love other people. So today we begin a new series that I'm calling The Greatest of These is Love. We're going to look at the most famous chapter in the Bible on love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you don't know that chapter by now is about love, then mark it down. In your, in your Bibles, in the, in the margins, write love beside 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love. When speakers want to get your attention, frequently one of the tools that they use is they use repetition. They say the same thing over and over and over again. Maybe in different ways, but the same same. Uh, same sort of thing uh, repeated. So in the first few verses of this passage in 1 Corinthians 13, God says the same thing five times. Five different times. He says it over and over and over and over and over like he wants us to get this. And maybe he thinks we're a little hard of 
hearing or heart of understanding. He says, I want you to understand the most important thing in life is love. Love. Your relationships. That's what matters most. So let's jump right in here this morning. First of all, if I don't live a life of love, nothing I say will matter. If I don't live a life of love, nothing I say will matter. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says this, If I could speak in any language in heaven or on earth, but I didn't love others, I would only be making meaningless noise like a loud gong or a clanging cymbal. God says words without love are just noise. Words without love are empty. And we're really impressed by great speakers, great communicators. We love eloquence. We love charisma. We love to hear somebody that tickles our ears, that really stirs us. You can think about those uh, particular uh, guys on TV and how, how they do that. And God says, you know what? That doesn't impress me at all. I don't care how good of a communicator you are. I want to know if you love. Do you love? Is your life a life of love? Living a life without love means nothing I say will matter. Number two, if I don't live a life with love, nothing I know will matter. Absolutely nothing I know will matter. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 2, the first part of it. I may have the gift of prophecy. I may understand all the secret things of God. I may have all knowledge, but if I do not have love, then I'm nothing. Think about it. You may be Phi Beta Kappa. You may be a Mensa member. You may be a genius, brilliant, a walking Bible encyclopedia, have an incredible knowledge of science or math or literature or history. But he says, if you don't have love in your life, all that you know is worthless. It doesn't really matter. Brilliance without love equals zero. We live in a world where knowledge is exploding. They say that it doubles about every six years. Think of that. Every six years, the knowledge base doubles these days. But you know what? We still have the same old problems that they had in biblical days. War, terrorism, <clears throat> crime, abuse, prejudice, hatred, Violence. Why? Why do we have this? Because what the world needs is not more knowledge. What the world needs is love. Love. Burt Bacharach was right. What the world needs now is love. Sweet love. 
Without love, I know nothing. I mean, nothing I know will matter. Without love, nothing I know will matter. All the knowledge in the world can't compensate for that. Number three. If I don't live a life with love, nothing I believe will matter. You see, there's this myth that being a Christian, being a Christ follower, is just a matter of believing certain truths. And let me tell you, that's not true. Nothing can be further from the truth. Following Christ is much more than intellectual facts or doctrinal truths. Following Christ is a life of love. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 to the latter part of that verse, even if I have the gift of faith so I could speak to a mountain and make it move. In other words, if I'm a miracle worker, I will still be worth nothing at all without love. It takes more than belief to please God. You say, but George, wait a minute here. Wait a minute. I believe in Jesus. So what? So what? The devil believes in Jesus too. The devil believes that there's a God. The devil believes that Jesus is the Son of God. But you won't find the devil in heaven. Why? Because it takes more than just believing in Christ to make it to heaven. The issue is not do you believe in Him. The issue is do you love Him. Do you love Him? 1 John 4.20 says, If I say I love God and hate other people, I'm a liar. If I say I love God but turn around and hate other people, I'm a liar. I can't say that I'm right with God and be out of sorts with other people. Relationships with others affect my relationship with God. If I don't live a life of love, nothing I believe will matter. That's pretty profound, I think. Number four, if I don't live a life of love, nothing I give will matter. 1 Corinthians 13.3 says this, If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, in other words, if I became a martyr or, or, or gave sacrificially, but I didn't love others, I would be of no value whatsoever. So let me ask you, can you be in a relationship and give for selfish reasons, for selfish motives? Of course you can. Absolutely you can. Giving is not necessarily always loving. Some people give in order to get back. That's not love. I'm going to give to you because I know you're going to give back to me. That's not 
That's not love. That's really selfishness, isn't it? Some people give out of guilt. They try to assuage a guilty conscience. So they give and give and give. Trying to make up for something that they did in the past. Some people give to control other people. Parents do this all the time with their kids in order to try to control them. Some people give for prestige or glory or honor. They want a little plaque that says, they can put it on their wall and it says, look, I'm a great giver. That's not love. You can give for a lot of wrong motives. And the Bible says, if I'm not giving in love, none of my giving is going to count at all. And nothing I give will matter. Number five, if I don't live a life of love, nothing I accomplish will matter. Nothing I accomplish will matter. 1 Corinthians 13, 3. And this is from the uh, message paraphrase. No matter what I say or what I believe or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. I like that one. I'm bankrupt without love. You can rack up an incredible list of personal achievements. You can get your picture on the cover of Fortune magazine or Inc. or Time. You can win the Nobel Peace Prize. You can have an enormous list of accomplishments. You can be Entrepreneur of the Year. You can build a billion-dollar company. You can have incredibly great successes in any field of endeavor that you might name. But the Bible says it isn't worth a squat if you don't love. The Bible says, no, God says, relationships are more important and more, more important than accomplishments. Life is about relationships, not accomplishments. And God says that I can have the eloquence of an orator, the knowledge of a genius, the faith of a miracle worker, the generosity of a philanthropist, the achievements of a super, superstar. But if I don't have love in my heart, it's worth zero. Nada. Nothing. It doesn't count at all. The only thing that matters to God is, do I love Him? And do I love other people? One day... You're going to stand before God when you die. And God's going to evaluate your life. And when he evaluates your life, you know what? He's not going to look at your bank account. Some of you are saying, Phew. He's not going to look at your list of accomplishments. He's not going to look at your grades. 
He's not going to look at your sports trophies. He's not going to look at your endorsements or your resume. God's going to evaluate your life on one basis. Your relationships. And he's going to ask, how much did you love me? And how much did you love other people? You see, it's called the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That's all that matters in God's eyes. All the other stuff is superfluous. How well did you love Now, without a doubt, love is one of the most overused words in the English language. Some other languages have several different words for the word love. Unfortunately, in English, we have one word for love, and we way, way, way outuse that word. We use it to refer to many different things and different emotions and feelings of affection. For example, I say... I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my God, I love my country, I love really spicy food, I really, really, really love Krispy Kreme donuts, I love sitting on a mountainside, I love a whole lot of different things in a different degree of values. We have love letters. We have love songs. We have love stories. But nobody stops to define what love is. I was thinking as I was getting this uh, series ready, almost all of the love songs that are love songs, that we call love songs, are really lust songs, aren't they? They're not about giving they're about getting. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. If you don't give it to me, I'm going to take it. And if I don't get it, I'll go somewhere else. That's pretty much the song. We could go on the country circuit right there with that. That's not love. That's lust. Love can always wait to give but lust can never wait to get now I've got a confession to make to you as I have prepared these messages um, and the further out they go the less I know about what they're going to look like for this series but I've been convicted by God about how much I really know about real love and about how much I really am an unloving person myself God's convicted me of how often my love for other people is sometimes shallow and I think you need to know that up front and my suspicion is that I'm not alone. 
My suspicion is that all of us need a lot of work in that very area. I will say, if you have that figured out, then I'm going to invite you to come up here right now and finish the series. Any takers? Because I don't think there's anybody here that's got that ever gets all of that sorted out. How do you do it? How can we start to do it? How do you build a life life of real deep love? Well, we're going to try to learn together. And fortunately, we have a model to look at. Ephesians 5.2 says, Keep company with God and learn a life of love. Evidently, God says, you can learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something back, but to give everything of himself to us. And then he says, love like that. That's how we're to love. Extravagantly. And you say, that's impossible. That's absolutely impossible. There's no way I can love like Jesus. And you know what? You're right. There's no way you or I can love like Jesus. And that's why we need Jesus in our lives. That's why you need his Holy Spirit inside of you. And the first step is to say, Father, pour your love into my heart by your Holy Spirit. Come inside me. Open my heart to your love. First Corinthians 13 closes with this phrase. In this life we have three lasting qualities. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Have you ever thought one of the greatest would be love? I think it's because love's going to last forever. When you get to heaven, you're not really going to need faith because you're going to be in the presence of God. You won't need faith in heaven. When you get to heaven, you're, you're not going to need hope because all of our needs will be met there. When we get to heaven, heaven is going to be filled with love. The Bible says that God is love. The Bible doesn't say God is faith. The Bible doesn't say that God is hope. But it does say that God is love. And love's going to go on and on and on for the rest of eternity. Nothing matters more than love. The greatest of these is love. And I hope you'll hang on with us for the rest of this series that closes out right after 
uh, Valentine's Day, I believe it is. About five, six weeks, something like that. So, Hang on. Father, thank you for your word. Never changing, ever true. In Paul's day, they needed love. Today, we need love. Father, show us how to love more. Show us how to love like you love. Show us how to love purely. Show us how to love wholly. Show us how to love other people, even those that we, we don't necessarily like, how we can love them. Love the unlovable. And that's something we can't do without your help. Teach us, Lord. Teach us to love as Jesus did. In his name we pray. Amen.